Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuckineers? What the fuckists? I gotta, I gotta settle on a name. Hold on. Let me take my nicotine gum out. I don't want to put you through that. I know how that offends some of you. Man, I want to thank you guys for sending me shit. I love getting shit in the mail. It makes me very excited. It's like a present. It is kind of a present. I talked about comic books on one of the other shows, on my Seattle show. So then Dark Horse Comics, they send me old boxes shit. It's great. I, I had no idea that they made the titles that they made. And now I'm enjoying all those comics as well. And some guy sent me... Dig this. Something called a third eye beanie. A third eye beanie. He, a guy emailed me, says, you like cats? I said, yeah, I like cats. He goes, I'm going to send you a third eye beanie. The guy's a painter, so he makes a, it's just a, basically a beanie hat. And then there's a little hand-painted patch on the bottom of an eye. So you wear it, and it goes right on your forehead, thirdeyebeanie.com. That's all it takes. That's all it takes to get a plug. Send me a present. Am I being a whore? No. Am I making choices? Yes. I like comic books. I like coffee. I like hats. So there you have it. I'll throw you a bone. I'm not soliciting. I'm just saying that if I get presents, I'll talk about the presents. You dig? Mm Mm-hmm. So what is happening? This is life, folks. This is it. This is what we have to do. I am, I don't know about you, but sometimes like I think I want things to happen. I think things are happening. I think that things are about to happen, and I miss the moment that is happening now. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but I'm getting fucking sick of it in myself. I mean, I've got to acknowledge that whatever is happening now is the life that I'm living. Not that something's going to happen in the near future, not going to get a TV show, or this is going to happen, or I'm going to show up there, or maybe it'll get better, or whatever. This is it. And I tell you, I spend a lot of time in my head. I spend a lot of time thinking about shit. I spend a lot of time not doing much. But I'm not bored. I A lot of people think like life, you know, get out there, grab life by the balls, live it. And then they say like, wow, that went by fast. That was really fun. I, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know it happened. I It's just it flew by. Whenever somebody says that, man, that was great. It flew by. How is that great? Sometimes I think like being bored or being frustrated or living in your head and watching time just drip by actually is more engaging in life than actually getting out there and doing stuff. Parasailing, bungee jumping, climbing up mountains, you know, where you're completely engaged in something and it's just sort of like, wow, I didn't even feel that four hours go by. Well, that's four hours that you don't have anymore. I feel four hours go by because it drips by. Like some days are so fucking long, I don't even know when they're going to be over. Like some days I got nothing to do between the time of like three in the afternoon and nine or 10 at night when I have to go do comedy. But on some level, that's that's um, at least I'm acknowledging that uh, I'm, I'm alive and that time is just dripping by. I'd much rather at this point in my life not to have it fly by. That just flew by. Shit. Well, I don't even know if I experienced it. It just flew by. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I got, I've got i gotten kind of heady lately about love, about intimacy, about relationships. Recently had to, to stop a relationship I was in or put it on hold or whatever. I don't know how to do that. I'm the kind of guy, I mean, I my first marriage, I ended up marrying a woman just because I didn't know how to break up with her. And I thought it would be okay. I don't have a hard time making choices like that. It's hard to make choices like that. You know, when somebody's into you or you're into them and it's just, you don't have a lot to give. And then I started thinking about intimacy. What is intimacy? What is trust? What is this? What is that? I was at the improv the other night. I was on a show with Margaret Cho, who I'm hoping to get in here pretty soon, get in the garage. So I don't know what'll happen. So I'm watching her and she talked about fucking. She talked about like how she wants to have sex a lot. And that her marriage is, has been great because, you know, she has sex with a lot of other people. And she kept talking about how she wants to have sex until she's, you know, really old. And it got a little crass and a little weird. But I'm sitting there. I'm watching her. I've known her for 15 years. I've never had sex with her. So I'm thinking, well, maybe maybe it's time that I, I have sex with Margaret Cho. 
I'm thinking that. And then she does a, a bit where she just talks about this horrible experience uh, about almost shitting herself for 10 minutes. And then she goes to a bathroom and there's a lot of shit involved. And then I was thinking like, you know, maybe I'll, I'll put off the, uh, the having sex with Margaret Cho thing because that, that shitting thing was too much information for me. A little too intimate. I don't know you well enough to know about that much shit talk. And then I started to think like if she was my girlfriend and she had this horrible experience about, you know, almost shitting herself, I'd be like, well, I'm sorry you went through that and I'll protect that secret. And I started to think about the nature of trust and the nature of intimacy. And a lot of times I think that those things just really revolve around protecting people's secrets and their sad little human realities and also buffering their disappointment. And you sort of build a bond around buffering disappointment and accepting the fact that they might have shit themselves. Is that love? I don't know. Am I trivializing it? Perhaps. Am I looking for that? I'm not sure. It's sort of a, a weird yeah, what the fuck moment. It was pretty profound. Some guy emails me a link of a link with a picture of me on it saying you want to quit smoking. It's a picture of me with an electronic cigarette. It's a button for a link to a uh, electronic cigarette company with my mug on it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? So I hit the link, I go to a site, and it's some testimonial blog about a guy who quit smoking with these electronic cigarettes, and he's presenting these pictures of me that were ripped off from a break room live show I did of me, you know, a, a segment where I was smoking an electronic cigarette. And I was like, this is bullshit. So I called the contact at the company who makes the electronic cigarettes. I said, can I speak to a manager, please? And he's like, yeah. And he puts a manager on the phone. Hi, this is Carl. What can I do for you? Well, I want to know why my mug is on one of your advertisements with a link to your company, and I gave no permission for you to use my image. I'm a, you know, I'm not a big celebrity, but I'm a little bit of a celebrity, and I don't want to have to get my lawyer involved. What do I got to do? He goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't freak out. I'm like, all right. He goes, I got to, he says, I'm going to call the advertiser who's going to call the publisher, and we'll see what we can do. And that's when I, I didn't really understand how this works, but apparently this company hires an advertising agency, and this advertising agency has a bunch of people who work on a commission basis, I'm assuming, to put up fake blogs of their own device to link to this, this electronic cigarette company, and they get paid for the hits, I guess. So he calls me back a little while longer. It's, look, I talked to the advertiser. They're going to talk to the publisher of that fake blog that put the picture of you up there. They will disconnect the links to that published blog. I said, well, that's fine. That's good. I'm glad I didn't have to get my attorney involved. But here was the beautiful part about this conversation. This guy calls me back to tell me that he resolved the problem. And he goes, yeah, by the way, are you still smoking those electronic cigarettes? I said, yeah, it wasn't really for me, I said. I, I haven't done it in a long time. I haven't smoked in a long time. I didn't really love those. He goes, well, you know, they're, they're a lot better now. And I go, like, yeah, I just, I didn't really like it. He goes, well, why don't you let me send you some? This is a guy I was mad about for ripping off my image, for using my image to advertise something. And he's saying, I'll send you some. I'll send you some of these new electronic cigarettes. I think you'll like them. And you know what I said to that guy? You know what I said? I said, okay, yeah, send me some of those. That sounds, oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for sending me a drug delivery system for nothing not and then I realized like it's not even about him feeling remorse for using my image. He's just looking for a new customer. If that ain't the American way, I call up Livid, and I, I knew it wasn't a gift because the first time's always free. You know how it goes with drugs. This guy knows how it works. It's like coffee or anything else. Hold on. Speaking of coffee, pow! I just shit my pants in a cold way because it's iced coffee. I got some iced coffee going. Some iced. Just coffee, dot co-op coffee, fair trade coffee. So I got some nicotine cigarette, uh, some uh, smokeless cigarettes coming because I was mad and the guy wants to get me hooked on his product. First time is always free. God damn. We're going to do an email show. I'm, I'm stacking up emails. We've got some shows planned coming up. I'll tell you some future guests that, that are going to be coming. Uh, today, of course, we have uh, Matt Walsh, who I'm very excited about. I've known Matt a long time. He's one of the original members and the founding member of uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. You've seen him in a lot of movies and a lot of different stuff. He's going to be on. Then I'm going to be talking in this episode to a gentleman who was not giving me his real name, but uh, you know the, the medical marijuana dispensary situation here is very big. Well, there's a lot of dispensaries. They're trying to close down some, but they're like Starbucks here. So I thought it was uh, a good guest to book is I have a, a proprietor, a marijuana dispensary proprietor who uh, did not give me his name, um, 
but he has a he has a nickname. Well, I'll just let him speak for, for himself. But it's an interesting issue. Uh, he'll be on this show and coming up on uh, on Thursday. Uh, finally, we're gonna you know we're gonna deal with uh, the black situation. A lot of people say not enough black people on the show. I'm gonna have Dwayne Kennedy, W. Kamau Bell, two black guys on the show talking about blackness. How's that sound? And also Dr. Steve who I need to talk to about this intimacy, trust, relationship thing. I need to get into that. A lot of you asking me advice in your emails. All I can tell you is my experience. And my experience, I guess I've gotten some wisdom from it. I don't know. But let's let's talk to Matt Walsh now. Check one, two. Wow. I have a radio voice. You're professional. Yeah. You've got the professional sound. I have the vibrato. All I need now is an agent to book me for For, cartoons and voiceovers. Don't you do those? I never have. I've I've booked like one voiceover in my my life, maybe two. But I would love to get into the cartoon game. That's the best. I've tried to do it. I've tried to get into... uh to voiceovers and like because i do radio i think i'm pretty good at it but i think uh, when i do voiceovers i have a slight lisp and i don't say my l's properly and i know that to be true about me and when i'm doing a voiceover audition tape i get very aware conscious of it, of it? yeah so literally i'm like hello so, <laughs> so i guess i have to read this copy my guest is matt walsh a founding member of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Upright Citizens Brigade Group. It uh, wasn't the theater at first. You would just say Upright Citizens Brigade. Oh. That, that would be enough, because we have many properties. We're very widespread in the media. It's almost like a religion. I mean, you guys are the it's, guys. It's a benevolent cult, I would like to say. I know. I talked to Bronger about uh, Del Close, who I guess is, in some secret way, the ultimate leader. He was the guru of long-form improv, yeah. He was a guy who uh, helped start Second City and be- the committee, guys like Howard Hessman. He knew he knew everybody, Tiny Tim. He did a lot of drugs. Did you work with him? I did. And in Chicago, I spent uh, about a year or two taking his class, and he was sort of on the tail end of his career. So he wasn't the best teacher, but yeah, I did. I spent a lot of time there. Now, okay. Now, here's the deal. I, I've known you for a long time. Yeah, right? we don't really. You didn't really talk to me. I don't think because, maybe because I wasn't a stand-up or something. You didn't have time for but an did, Im- improv guy. Did, well, that's true. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. But was I a dick to you? No, I have no problems with Mark Maron. Oh, good. Okay, so I don't owe you an apology. Mark Maron, the personality. Mark Maron, the person. I have problems with. Okay, so maybe we should get at that. Yeah. But let's ease into it. Okay. Now I never uh, like I consider myself a pretty good improviser, but I don't like w- working with groups yes. at all, and I don't like working with other people. Is that is that wrong? No, it's uh, your stand-up is very good that way. You're very extemporaneous when you perform, and uh, you figured out where you belong. But now improvising, though, like I wanted to take a class, but I never did. Now, if we were to do that, if we're like, okay, so you're teaching because you teach, right? Yeah. Do you not te- anymore. Not really. You're out of that game. Pretty much. I do a workshop like once or twice a year. That's it. Like now, one day. When you do a workshop at UCB, because now you do have the several schools. By the way, I taught a workshop the other day, a month ago, and a kid, tell me what you think of this. A kid brought brownies for the class, didn't tell anyone they were pot brownies. So he dosed like eight of my students with marijuana. Uh, some of them uh, get drug tested for their jobs. One kid had never taken drugs before. Yeah. That kid's an asshole, right? It's a hell of an improv. I mean, you know, no, but that's not cool. This isn't the '60s. You no, don't no, do that. Yeah. yeah, it isn't cool. Yeah, it is, especially with maybe there were sober people in there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, what did you do? He's not welcome at the theater anymore. He's banned. <laughs> He's banned from Franklin Avenue. <laughs> we sent him across the street. It's not that pot isn't welcomed. It's just uh, you know, hidden pot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, be cool. Yeah, because that clubhouse over there at the UCB. Things go on there. Yes, but there it's is all, pot there. Yeah, but it's but it's it, you know it all seems very nice. That's the one thing I, I've noticed about improv. Before we get into that stuff, and and if you don't know Matt Walsh, see just about any comedy movie, <laughs> and he's that guy. If you saw him on the street, you'd be like, "You're that guy." Yes. Do you get identified like that a lot? Yeah. How do I know you? Uh, oh shit. Do we go to school together? Yeah. Um. Where, where are you from? That kind of stuff. But like you were in The Hangover, you played The Doctor. That was a good part for you. Thank you. Right? I mean, yeah. that, when you got that, you're like, I got some lines. I got a scene. I got two scenes. Yeah, that is my role. That's uh, my bread and butter. I get I get like two or three scenes in a big comedy. That, yeah, that's and you've done, you're in um, 
uh, let's see what's up. Go on. to IMDb Pro if you want the real good stuff. I think I am. In, uh, maybe I'm not Are you an in IMDb Pro? Pro. Come on. You got to upgrade, man. I do. Are you serious about the business? I'm pretty serious. You got to go pro. I've, I, how can I? I can barely manage my social networking. I just, when you came up, I was just getting done. What is it? Three in the afternoon. Oh, just responding? Well, responding, reaching out. I, I like this is a great age we live in where you can spend about, you know, four or five hours on the computer just seeking ego validation <laughs> and call it work. I've been working. I was doing the Twitter and the Facebook thing and, you know, updating some shit. It is. No, I'm on the regular IMDb. Oh, you're in Due Date. I interviewed uh, Zach Galifianakis on the set of Due Date in New Mexico. You weren't there. Oh, you did? Yeah. Were you oh. there? I was. Uh, I shot my scenes in Atlanta with Robert Downey. Oh, you didn't work with Zach at all? Not on that one, no. I worked with Zach on a show called Dog Bites Man that was on a Comedy very, Central. That was a very a cult favorite. It is a cult favorite. Yeah, it has a very small audience, which makes it a cult favorite. And, and yeah. you were also on the UCB sketch series on Comedy Central. UCB sketch which, series. Which put you guys on the map. Which uh, was my beginning at Comedy Central. And then I did a year and a half on The Daily Show. As a correspondent? As a correspondent. So people know you. I think some people know me. Yeah, absolutely. And does the UCB have a cult following? The show? Both. Yeah. The, sh uh, the theater's crazy. I mean, you've been there. The I, theater... I do live What the Fuck, Sarah. But no, it's great. It's, oh. a, it's full of kids that seem relatively healthy. I notice that the difference between improvers, and I've talked about this before, improv actors and sketch actors and comedians, is a lot of times they're be they're more well-adjusted. Yeah, and they're more respectful of the stage. Like, when you're a stand-up, obviously sometimes people feel like, oh, I'll help him by saying something to right. him during his act. Right. That doesn't really happen generally in an improv set. And the other thing about improv because I did stand up for two years, it's a very difficult trade, is that you have other people to fail with. Like, if the show sucks, it's like we sucked. But when you're on the road in Michigan, going to a titty bar with the opener, yeah, it's like I sucked. Yeah, and you know you sucked. Yeah. Especially if you're a titty bar with the opener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why do stand-ups love going to titty bars? I don't go to them. I believe you, but why, do you notice that? I like the titty bar to come to me. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't have anything against strippers and titty bars, but I'd rather the stripper come to me. Yeah. Why, what, what else are we going to do? Yeah. What do you think? We have healthy relationships? You think that, <laughs> you know, comics are, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of them, I, I think they just go because as I, I interviewed a, a woman who is, uh, who is a uh, stripper, I think there's actually a, a similar sense of community among strippers and comics. And the, the two of them coming together makes sense because they're both sort of social outcasts. They both live in their own worlds. Yeah. They both work at night. You know, Lenny Bruce married a stripper. The burlesque, you know, comedy uh, overlap uh, overlap yeah. was always there in the business and i think do you think still... strippers want to be comics and comics want to be strippers yeah i know that it's a deep dream of mine to show <laughs> my titties uh like you know i have a pole in the house to practice i, don't I didn't you... see it when i came yeah, in. well i didn't want to show it to you because i didn't want you to freak out so all right so now i'm at improv class you're my teacher okay uh what's my first lesson uh the first lesson to become a good improviser is getting people to listen to incorporate other people's ideas so if you have a partner on stage, two people on stage, and somebody initiates something, like say, hey, welcome to the bank, you can't say, oh, fuck that, we're not in a bank, we're on Jupiter. Like, that's the first thing you have to take what the other person gives you, and then yes, and it. That's the, that's right. the rule, like okay, yes, yes, and. and. All right, so let's, let's try one. You start. Okay, uh, thanks for coming in, uh, Mr. Marin. I have your uh, x-rays. This is stupid. I'm supposed to be at the post office. Okay, then the scene would be over. Oh, I see. The so scene would be over. Good. And if you can't have a cell phone on stage. I usually tell students to turn off their cell phone. I, I'm turning it off right now. Or turn so, off the uh, ringer. So I made two no-nos. You need right? to have scheduled windows where you pick up the phone. No, I know, but, you... I, but just then in our improv, I fucked up twice. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah you did. I had my phone on, and, and I said no. Because... And that fucks up a stand-up show, too, if you had that in your pocket, wouldn't it? No, I'd take the you, call. Would you? <laughs> That's the kind of improv I do. Sorry, let's start again. New one. Okay. Um, look, uh, this is corny, but uh, I feel like you guys ignore us when we have a block party on the block. Like, I feel like all the other families come over and try my wife's lemon squares, and then your family just never comes on my property. Uh, well, that's easily explained. Please. Yeah. The last time uh, Joanne had one of your wife's lemon squares, yes. I had to take her to the hospital. Well, that's not true. That's absolutely not true. I, I'm sorry if you think that's what happened, but the whole neighborhood ate those lemon squares, and nobody else has complained about that. You don't think we know about your cult? We, you don't think we know that, that, that the lemon squares are just part of a bigger picture, and that, and that thank God she had an allergic reaction? Because we know what you guys are up to in that house. I, I don't know what you're saying. We have a very simple lifestyle, and uh, my wife and I make lemon squares for the block party. Oh, you have a simple lifestyle. So what was the ritual that was going on in the backyard two weeks ago? What was that about? There was wow. 
All right, I'm going to stop you. Yeah. Because what you're doing, which is sort of incorrect, is you're laying on too many. What you would want to assume is like if I'm a neighbor mm-hmm. at a block party, mm-hmm. I'm the average neighbor at a block party. Like most realistic, I don't have a cult. Mm-hmm. I don't do rituals in my backyard. I probably don't dose uh, people with my stuff. It's possible. Maybe one of those could work. Right. But you don't want to keep laying on too many oh. abnormal realities because you're heightening too quickly. Oh, okay. And you're also not really taking in basically the top of your intelligence. If you, Mark Marin, were at a block party on your street here, yeah. somebody said, why didn't you eat my wife's lemon squares? It wouldn't be a cult. It would be something else. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? So Okay, so uh, let's try it again. Oh, this is going to be your lowest rated podcast. Nobody, why? Nobody wants to hear you listen to learn improv. What are you talking about? The UCB Theater is churning out the talent that drives the entertainment industry right, right now. You started that thing with Matt Walsh, Ian. I'm what's, Matt Walsh, just so you know. Yeah, with That's Matt awkward. Walsh, Matt Besser, Ian. What's his name? And Amy Poehler. Of course, you know Amy's name. Exactly. <laughs> Did I sense resentment? No. Seriously, you got my name wrong. No, they're you two call, you, you said okay. I know who you are. See, I know. This is how you it wouldn't happen- have emailed me if you didn't know who I am. This is how it happens with me and you. See, I said something, now I think you're mad. I'm not mad. I was just pointing out that you got my name wrong, but you, you didn't get Ian's last name, and you got Amy's both first and last name. Because she's famous. That's what I'm saying. Well, what I'm saying to you is that she wouldn't be famous without the Upright Citizens Brigade. You are a member of the Upright Citizens I'm- Brigade, and now you're telling me how to, to be a star, in essence. There are people listening that are saying, Matt Walsh has the keys to the kingdom. Okay. He's going to tell Mark Please. Maron... How to to transcend and leave <laughs> leave his garage? Finally, we love him, but we want him to succeed more. All right, if you really think this, come on, let's do it. I'll make you a better improviser in the time we have. All right, okay, just let's just do one more, so I don't have to layer. It Why don't you initiate, Mark Marin? Just say anything. Okay, your last name is Marin, right? Marin. Okay, yes. Good. Okay. Oh man, I I, I shouldn't have eaten all that. I I feel I already feel fat. No big deal, man. When people eat pizza, they eat three or four slices. Don't 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 hate yourself. I took half of the pie into the bathroom, and I ate the other half. It wasn't. That's a little weird. You should probably work on that. And it's not the amount; it's the location where you're eating the food. Like taking food into rooms that, like, into your car. You yeah. take food into your car. That's a little screwed up. Yeah. Taking to the bathroom. Right. Having sex with your girl. Right. With pizza in right. the room. Yeah. That's those are the things you need to work on. But the amount isn't as terrible. I just don't know how to eat at a table. I really, yeah. I was. Did not, you never eat table at a kid? No, it's not brought up that way. My my mother would generally say dinner, and she'd throw it on the floor. So I, I mean, oh. I'm actually okay. Yeah, moving in a different direction. Well, baby steps, baby steps. Here's so, a here's a here's a cookie. Okay. Just eat it here in front of me. Yeah. I'm gonna buckle you into a chair. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you're what? What are you feeling? Tell me what you're feeling. I, 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 I'm not. I'm repelled. I I need to be somewhere else. Well, I'd like to be on the roof. Can you close your eyes and imagine you're sitting on the toilet and eat the cookie at the table? Okay. Okay, yeah, uh, this is good. This is good. Okay. I feel I feel safe. I feel I'm I'm in my bathroom. I'm eating my cookie where I usually eat. I'm good. Okay. That worked. Now we'll just go to the next scenario. You're uh here's another cookie and you're making love with your your girl. Okay? Oh, well Well then I got to I got to watch her eat a cookie while I'm eating it. You gotta watch her. I guess I could be the girl. Is this is this gonna help you? I don't know. I've never really done that with a guy. I'm not a guy. Uh, this won't because you. Can you imagine that you're with her and I'll change my voice, but your eyes are still closed with the cookie. Yes. So I'll eat a cookie. Yeah. You close your eyes. Okay. Imagine we are in the bathroom, bedroom. Yeah. And we're making love. Uh huh. I guess is this precursor to love? The cookie eating. I don't. know. It's sort of part of it. So it's All during right. the lovemaking act. All right, so, okay, I got my eyes closed. Okay. We're in bed. You're my Mark, girl. Mark, you're so beautiful, and you're so no, good. No, when you're no. on stage, you're a king. You're, you're doing a king, it wrong. Mark. You're doing it wrong. When you're a king, you're a king when you're on stage, Mark. You're doing it wrong. All right, what do you... She usually goes like, mmm, good cookie. Good cookie. All right. Mmm, good cookie. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm mm, eating my good cookie. good cookie. I'm eating cookies. Mmm, good cookie. We're eating cookies. I'm good cookie. I'm good okay, cookie. Okay, it worked. It worked. <laughs> All right. So how scene that? and scene and scene. Right. Wasn't terrible. No. Did I do all right? Yeah. We we clung to a simple idea, which was your uh, abnormal eating disorder, mm-hmm. which is basically you couldn't eat in a traditional location. Mm. And then we went. We made it uh, a big thing in improv is to not talk about it, but to do it. So instead of like uh, pretending, like read this book or what's going on in your mind. Right. Or we could have gone further into your childhood. Yeah. Those are taught. We're talking about things that 
are off stage essentially. Right. We made the scene active and we did the therapy in front of the audience, if right. you will, the listening audience. So, so the real mistake that I made last time was like, you know, out of insecurity or comics chops, I just wanted to keep adding things to be funny in that You don't moment. need that much. You take the first unusual thing yeah. and you explore and heighten that thing. That's all you're doing. Right. It's like, it's like if somebody, is, you do it as an, a solo artist, you, somebody says, uh, uh, buddy, I'm from Texas. Like right. they think they're helping your show. Right. You are very good. I've seen you do this. You don't attack hacklers you go what is that i'm sorry but what does that mean like i'm truly trying to understand what that means so you're just exploring the interesting element right you're doing the same thing in improv right and then you interview that guy but in this case you're on stage with a person and you're sort of writing it together i'd like to try it but it's the same muscle i'd like to you're try not it. welcome at the theater but i i like Hold that you on, have again the... again i'm thrown out of ucb <laughs> it took me so long to get into that place I think I'm one of the... I, you I, should. It might be weird, though, to take a class if people know you. But I, I think it's great to... Absolutely. Take a class. We have... Because it's LA, we have like famous people going through the program now. You do? Yeah. And there's... Uh, Heather Graham took a class at our theater. She was studying Recently? improv. Yeah, like six months ago. I think Ed Helms told her to do it because he knew her from a movie. Uh-huh. And uh, Was just, Ed Helms ECB? He started in New York. He he did stand-up. He did right. both. He did both improv and stand-up. Right. But, can you imagine being a 24-year-old who just moved out to L.A. and Heather Graham is in your first improv class? Like, Every improv would be very difficult. It's amazing. It's like my my dreams have come true. I get to do comedy and I get to look at Heather Graham. Like, that, that's that, unbelievable. Would that be awesome? It's crazy. It's I'm so, like, it's, it's unfair. It's and, like you start in Chicago and, no disrespect, like, there's no one who looks like Heather Graham in an improv class in Chicago ever. Yeah. But in L.A., it's unbelievable. It is Heather Graham. Not even looks like <laughs> No, her. it isn't. Yeah. It is Heather Graham. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like that Mark Cohen joke. What? Uh, his mom came to visit him out in Los Angeles, and they were eating at a restaurant. And uh, uh, and his, they're eating, and his mother goes, oh, my God, Mark, look, the waiter. It's Potsy from Happy Days. And Cohen goes, come on. this is, Not everyone's a celebrity. Oh, my God, it is Potsy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in terms of like what comes out, what how why improv has become so popular in terms of of comedy? I guess it always has been because I guess Second City was Second City. Those guys are all improvisers. Yeah, the Lemmings, the National Lampoon crew. That was a lot of them were Canadian. A lot of them were improvisers. A, a few stand ups. So I, I guess really it's always been that way. But tell me about the layout. Is there anything in in improv where? Does any of it, maybe I'm getting lofty here because I don't really understand it, but it, does any of it relate to the comedy della arte? You know, like that there's a fat guy, there's archetypes. Yeah, I, I don't know that much. I never did Comedia Del Arte. I've seen shows and I know they improvise things, but I guess what's common, if I understand Comedia Del Arte, is it's entertainment for a regular audience. It's not like high society theater. Like the, the, the roots of improv came out of a lady, Viola Spolin, who did it in Chicago. She was a social worker and she took it to like Cabrini Green and taught kids to play games from damage that's Th the root of modern improv uh my the recent root not i mean theatrically yeah like comedia dell'arte predates it but like, no, the, but like the form of it now yeah viola spolin and she wrote a book I, I don't know the name of it but uh that had all these games in it that she had learned as a social worker in the housing projects of chicago and it was like a teaching tool it was like a therapy tool almost and then from that Paul Sills and Del Close and there's other Bernie Solomon. That's I believe. fascinating. So yeah. it started as a, a a community activism almost. Yeah. Not necessarily activism, but it was, the idea was to to make theater accessible and available to yeah. the community to actually work as a community bonding and elevating. Yeah, and activity. it's like we don't have props, we don't have a stage for these kids, but we have a room, and I can teach them a game where I say freeze and I give them a new adjective. So she could do theater in a limited environment as well. It was like easy to travel you know what i mean Isn't that's that the other fascinating? aspect yeah when it had integrity and, and, <laughs> and actually now it has to get you on snl otherwise it's not useful <laughs> right exactly <laughs> i tell every student that comes into my class one of you will get on snl guaranteed for at least a month for a writing gig or lauren will sit down with you Who, which you have a great lauren michael story oh God. have you told it on air i don't know if i've told it here do a quick tell just real quick that's one of my favorite stories of yours I'm pimping the host. But. Oh, okay. So what happens is, you know, I, I audition for SNL. They make me jump through a few hoops. He, you know, it's one, Marcy Klein sees me do stand-up, and then she wants to see me again. She brings Lauren to the comic strip. He sits there and watches me do stand-up, and then they take me to the studio. It was Conan's studio, actually, and do a screen test with me, and then I have a meeting the with meeting, Lauren. Yeah. And, uh, and the thing about the meeting with Lauren, at that time, I was smoking a lot of pot, and I was reading one of Bruce Wagner's books, you know, and he writes about Hollywood. And I was really sitting there because you sit for hours. 
and it was just me and Tracy Morgan who had, who because it was he was meeting Lauren that day too and his hair was so shiny like he, like he looked you know like it, it was like perfect like gelled or yeah it yeah. was just like a perfect you know black natural fro and just glistening now was this as a writer or performer performer, performer yeah, right cool. the idea was that they were going to you know use me on update you know cuz norm was on the fence or yeah. something but I'm reading this book and I'm high. I'm a little high because oh. I could not not be high for some reason. You know how you do that when you smoke pot? You're like, you know, I smoke pot pretty much every day. Yeah. But I don't want to smoke a lot today because I got this meeting. But if I smoke now, I still got three hours, you know. To come down. Yeah, that yeah. shit. To level off. So I'm a little high. I'm reading Bruce Wagner's I'm Losing You or something. And, and it's all dark and weird and about Hollywood. And, and now I, I can't tell the difference between the book and, and what's happening with me a little bit. And I waited like three hours, and I go in to see Lauren, and he's sitting behind his desk, and Higgins is there, the head writer. And uh, there's a, a picture on his desk, you know, pictures, and then like on my side of his desk is a bowl of candies. And he sits me down, and he goes, literally, like one of the first things, it was when we were doing, I think, Luna, at the beginning of Luna, and there had been press on it in the New York Times. And Lauren says, you know, I don't know what you think you're doing down there below 14th Street, but it really doesn't matter. And I'm like, hey, okay, how you doing, you know? And then it's just weirder and weirder, you know? And then, like, one moment, like, you know, Higgins is sitting there like a little monkey, you know, just watching it. Like, I don't know what his position was in the whole thing. Yeah. But it almost felt like he was there to buffer, you know, between me and Lauren. And, and then all of a sudden, Lauren just, you know, stops talking and starts looking at me right in the eyes. And I'm looking at him, and Higgins is actually like, "What the fuck's going on?" He goes, "You can tell a lot by a person's eyes by looking into oh, them." You know, so it was really fucking weird, you know. And I start talking about the original SNL, like, "Ah, I was a big fan." He goes, "Well, there's been plenty of good casts, you know. That was not the best one." And I'm like, "Wow, this is not going well." <laughs> and I keep looking at this candy, you know, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm a little high, and this is weird as fuck. And then he, and then he, like, he sits back, you know, and he does this sort of pondering thing. He's like, you know. Comedians are like monkeys. <laughs> you know, when people go to the zoo, they look like the lion because it's scary and the bear is intense, but the monkey makes people laugh. So I said, you know, as long as they're not throwing shit at you, <laughs> and he just, like, looks over, you know, he doesn't do anything. And then, like, I I reached for a candy, for Jolly Roger candy. It was Jolly Roger, and I go down, like, I reach the candy, I take it up, I unwrap it, and right when the rapper starts unwrapping, Lauren shoots a look at at the writer, at Higgins. Like, it had been decided. Like, that candy was somehow connected to my that not was the getting... moment. And you felt that was real. Like, you kind of... Because well, I, I believe that. I was a little high, but, yeah. like, I had somehow failed the test. Like, it was all hinging on the Jolly Roger candy. Yeah. And I left there just completely mind-fucked. And, you know, they left me dangling for weeks. But I, in retrospect, from what I understand, I was just being used to, uh, to, to scare Norm. Oh, really? Yeah, but I believe I like to believe that if you didn't take the candy, you would be on SNL today. That's a better story. <laughs> I do. I love that moment where you felt like I know. But if I if I really believe that, no, it's just like, I you know. know it's a better story. Have you met with them? No, but I had a friend who met with Lauren to be a writer and kind of went through some hoops and had his big meeting with Lauren. And there were giant pauses, and he was holding his hands like a little large Fauntleroy, very serious yeah. and lofty. And he said at one point, "Do you have any questions for me?" Yeah, he said that to me. And too. then my friend said. No, not really. And he knew after he said that, he's like, I'm not getting a job. <laughs> not he knew, really. I think there are those moments in, the, in, in that interview where you have to, I think there are tests like that. I do. And Morgan ended up getting the show. Yeah. And I guess I was bitter for a while. I don't know. You know, you, in this business, there's so many disappointments. No. I mean, Christ, you must go out as an actor. I mean, I barely have representation. I don't go out for shit, but you probably go out for fucking everything. Not everything. But I go out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't you, like, after a certain point, it's hard not to take it. I mean, I guess it's hard to take it personally. I mean, at some point as an actor, you've got to say, you know, fuck it. I ain't going to get a lot of these things. And that's just the way of the game. They're not, every time they, they don't give you a part, they're not saying, Matt Walsh stinks. <laughs> right? I'm sort of clinging to the philosophy that just showing up is the best I can do. I try not to put anything else other than, like, I got to drive to fucking Santa Monica today. All right, I'll do it. Yeah, and then and then if I do it, I feel like I work today. That's my go, survival mechanism. I, I I mean, I study a little bit, but I don't attach too much. Like, oh, I should have done this, or I should have. I probably could have done it this way. And you have sort you have a craft in place. You have some boundaries. You know how to do it. I've seen you in movies. I've seen you on TV. Like, I don't really. I mean, I can only be me or different manifestations of me. Right. I mean, I remember I got called back. This was. I keep thinking about this because I want to know who was in this room. 
I got called in to do a pilot, uh, like a like I got called back for for network um, years ago, uh, and it was a big room, you know, with with everyone there, with the producers, the directors, and it was for it was a behind the scenes of a of a of a video of like an MTV situation. It was one of these kind of Larry Sanders issues. It was many years ago. And I'm doing the part of this, you know, slightly, you know, aggravated, drugged up, you know, star of some kind. And, uh, you know, the part is sort of a, a tirade. And the woman who's, you know, the casting agent, you know, I'm about to go in and, and I say, well, how angry should I get? And she goes, you should get angry. I'm like, you really want me to get angry? Like, cut no. loose? No, not for and, TV. And she's like, yeah, Bad let it loose. Who told you that? The casting agent. Bad but she didn't know advice. me. Bad right? Advice. And I wasn't an actor. So I walked in there and I was like, what the fuck? You fucking... And literally, all of them, like, their fucking mouths were wide open. I'm like, and I'm walking out of there going, I fucking hit it. And they were probably like, what the fuck just happened in here? That guy's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's not good advice. I did a audition for a sitcom in New York. Long story short, I had a friend who I happened to be paired up with. You know how it's like a... Almost like a Sweet 16 tournament where they get two and they go, okay, you leave and you're paired up with him and now yeah. you're making the final eight. Now it's down to four. Basically, the final four, me and this guy, I know who I found out later was a heroin addict. So he's crazy. And there's one joke in the script. It's for like a terrible sitcom. And the joke is like, pinch me, I think I'm dreaming. They're like country bumpkins. Yeah. So, uh, and then the other brother's so dumb, he goes, I think I'll pinch myself. Yeah. So, (laughs) to see whatever. TV writing. Yes. So it gets to the scene and I'm playing it as best I can. And the line for him to say is, I think I'll pinch myself. And he pinched his nipple and he started screaming and laid on the ground for like three minutes going, (laughs) oh! Oh! <laughs> you're never gonna get the job you're never gonna get the job and to see like network people who make television like what is he thinking like, what, what is he doing and he didn't know he was out of his mind but what? it was like i laughed i laughed really hard i mean it was over but i, I started laughing because it was so <laughs> ridiculous he's like retching on the floor in a nice tidy office not only you're not going to get the job but it's going to put a stink on you because all they do in show business, all these network people and agents and, and managers, there's like 15 of them, and all they do is spend the entire day talking to each other. Yes. They're like, so little is done here other than people calling each other. And then they call you in for things. That's what I like, the general meeting. Like, you know, all of a sudden it's like, we got a general meeting for you at uh, NBC. It's like, what does that mean? That means some development people had an opening in their schedule, and they wanted to have a clown come in and dance for them. <laughs> But see, I don't get general. I'm not that. I'm not a personality like you. You get general meetings because they could develop something around your personality. I'm more of a role player. Like we got something, we need you to step into this. You're a character actor. I, I'm a character actor, and yeah. you do a lot of one scene things. Which yeah, I, I'd love to do more scenes, but generally I get a couple scenes in a movie. Sometimes I get like role models. I felt like I had a nice run or a nice arc, and yeah. Uh, the hangover was like quick two that scenes. That was good though. Yeah, that was good. I mean, yeah. it was solid. You were a pivotal point. Yeah, what you want is like to have a bit of an arc. In, in an actor what way. you want to be able to do is go did you see the hangover the doctor yeah that was me. me i don't do that if, if no but i mean it, it, i know you don't do that but like you know when i tell people i was in almost famous they're like what i don't remember you and then i tell them the scene they're like oh shit yeah you know but if you're just like do you remember the guy that was at the gas station that said wait you, you know like if it's just part of something that's flying by there's you're, yeah. they're just gonna be like oh yeah like a character they remember you want to reference a character they remember you don't want to have lines. to go into Okay, go to minute 23, 14, <laughs> pause the DVR. I'm the guy in the background of Pacino saying, Attica, Attica, yeah. Attica. I'm, I'm part of, see those hundred people? Yeah. Right there, right, right there. Right there. Oh, pause wait. it. Yeah. yeah. Pause <laughs> it. That's me and my daughter. I brought my daughter out that day and we got, oh, we got, we brought home all these sandwiches. It was awesome. Uh, sandwiches and a shirt. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys gave my daughter a shirt. Did, now, did when you did the Downey stuff, I mean, how was he, did you have a, a whole scene with him or what? Yeah. He was great. Uh, he is... Um, very pro improv and he was sort of uh, taking the script for the day him and Todd I think him and Todd have a very like the director Todd what's director Todd Phillips they're mm-hmm. both very strong personalities right. and they, they work well together but they're also very strong willed so they would have these discussions and then I think Downey would sort of like take the script and throw it away and he says let's do something real or whatever right sort of taking what they had written but also saying let's go anywhere so he had that mentality and after I sort of got over my man crush on Robert Downey because yeah. he is pretty impressive. He's such yeah. a great actor and he's a handsome dude and yeah. it's like after the first few takes then it was great. It yeah. took a while to like ease and relax. And yeah. then, but it was great. It could go anywhere and Todd Todd's great at like throwing out lines. Say this or why don't you try this and then they cover the heck out of it and then you're done. Yeah. Did you ever come uh, uh, 
have a, a juncture in your in your creativity where like because you look at certain people this is the other thing i was getting at with improv and i think comedia della arte is that i kept thinking about the fat guys there's always the funny fat guy and they always die but there's always a funny fat guy you know you got candy you got belushi you got farley yeah they all came out of improv yeah and they all had a specific sort of like you know balls to the wall style well here's my theory on that because i teach people and people always say well can you teach someone to be funny and I think when I teach a class, I try to teach them how to improvise. And I think in some cases you might help people be funny. Like some people, the people who will never be funny are people who are controlling and uh, won't listen at all. Like if they go into a scene and they say, shut up, shut up, shut up, come over here, play my teeth. They're a little crazy. Mm-hmm. So for you to unwork their craziness, yeah. you'd have to be responsible for that outside of class. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. No babysitting. So you can't help those people. Can't but, help uh, them. You got to write them off. Yeah. You just say, great scene. <laughs> Great scene, great and, job, and, you, and you, you you provide the class for them, but that's it. Yes, and you try to not let them poison, like because sometimes people don't want to do but, scenes with them. But conversely, though, can't a control freak who you know has some sort of revelation and gets a dose of humility realize that 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 in and of itself is a funny character? If they can, yeah, if it's a character, but in improv you're making it up. So right. characters are great for sketch, but in improv you have to be willing to serve somebody else's idea. You have right. to be willing to like get out of your own head listen to what that person said and incorporate something together that's right. basically the the bread and butter of it yeah but as far as fat people go i always tell people in class like i could get 10 of you up on stage and i could write a line that's pretty funny and i'll get all 10 of you to say it and i guarantee you the fat guy will get the most laughs it's just a thing yeah or if you're look if you look like john cleese you might get more there's right. there's a cer- there's certain types that we human beings like fat people are what they're they're less dangerous they're uh we feel we feel they're a little pathetic we feel for them maybe i don't know what it is but there is instinctive uh, instincts in the human mind that make us laugh at some people more than others like farley like if he said a line i mean he was funny i'm not discounting his talent yeah. but i think there are some tendencies that you could you could have a body type that's funny mm-hmm. absolutely well i think also those like those fat guys in particular like candy and and um, Belushi and Farley, who came out of improv, were also just like, they were just hungry for, for life. I mean, they just were just... They know. were amazing. I don't mean to discount... No, but like, I, mean, I think there's also that element of the fat person. Like, oh. he, he's just going to eat yeah. it up. He's Literally. all appetite. Yeah, he's yeah. reckless. Yeah. Like, I would never act like that. Right. Maybe they're more free. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, but I just... I, what, I guess the question I was getting at is that, you know, even somebody like Zach and, and somebody like, you know, Helm... He's a fat guy. A little I, bit. I like to say Zach's he, he, fat. He, he always tells always me I'm fat. fat. I know, but but he's not that fat. Like, but he has clearly made a decision about his demeanor. Type. Yeah, his type. That like you know he's you know a very compressed oddball. And, you know he he plays the, like the repressed kind of like uh, about to explode, slightly awkward guy. And Ed Helms has got this sort of like you know slightly virile geek thing going that he seems to hit. And and I don't know if those are decisions, but I think that. Once you start branding yourself, you're going to play that guy, and it's expected of you. I, I could not. Where's my wheelhouse so I know where to work, so I don't waste my time in this business? Well, well, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Have you ever? But you've thought seen that? me in every movie. You should be able to tell me. Well, you're, you're, you're. Uh, What's my type? If you had to say this is your type, you should pursue these. Don't waste your energy on this. Go maximum this guy. Well, I thought personally, like you know, you're you can do you know earnest, funny, pretty good. And like you can play the the priest or the coach right. or whatever, but the doctor like had an edge to him. I like that more. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I think that like you know that there it was like you know holy shit, there's some things in Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, the angry more. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and I thought it was funny because it was surprising because I'd known you for a while and and I've seen you in things and I'm like holy shit, this guy's like you fucking idiot. You know the, that's what you're saying to him and yeah, it, and that was funny. It's yeah. not funny. This this interview isn't funny, but what are you it's, talking it's, about? It's education. I wouldn't classify talking about comedy. As funny. Well, what were you expecting exactly? I love the show. I'm just, I'm sort of uh, covering my ass if people don't like us talking about comedy. Oh, but there are some people that like it. Cause there's, okay. Yeah, because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of comics that listen to this. Okay. A lot of young people that want to get into comedy. Okay. And a lot of people that know nothing about the business and because of okay. me have become perversely fascinated. But don't you feel like Steve Allen or some of those older guys when they talk about comedy, don't you Don't you sort of have a reaction of like, oh God, this is going to get boring really quick? No, because like you, you're really dealing with like, I went to a UCB show. And the thing that like drives me nuts about improv, I, I rarely go to improv shows. because You I, rarely go to other people's shows in general. That's true. Be honest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because I don't, I, you know, it's just not about me. <laughs> and like, if people were doing an improv show, I, called, I very rarely go see improv, so I'm I'm similar. Like an improv show called Mark Maron's Brain, you would, would love be, that. That show. would be great. Yeah, 
It's about I, you. Yeah. Or hey, guy in Highland Park. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Like, you know, hey, I'm it's a little Mark, closer. I'm Mark Maron's neighbor. I'd yeah. go see that one man show. But uh, no, but I like watching comics because I'm always at comedy clubs. But I'll, I'll go to the UCB and I'll see, you know, <laughs> I always feel bad because like if my show runs late, I did this on stage once. If my show's running over, I know there's a there's a room full of kids, you know, next door going, God, I've got my Mr. My Mr. Waffle outfit on. I want to get out there. And do, <laughs> you know, they got their big plans. But like one thing I notice about improv now, and you don't see it in comedy because I never went to classes for anything, is that you get people that are just sort of like, I thought it helped me at my job. Or yes. I thought I, I thought that you know it helped me with my communication skills. Like I'll go see a UCB show, and I'll you know I'll see one or two guys that are like they're they're just here to to, to get to learn how to be around people, but they're, they can turn out to be funny people. They can, and 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 at the end of the day, that's not a terrible thing. Like no, it's it's actually goes back yeah. to the original intention. Yeah. of of where modern improv came from. Right. It's it's I don't know if it's therapy because I don't want to be teaching therapy to people, but I think it does. People who have no sense. It's more theatrical. They have no sense of how to interact with someone on stage and how to be comfortable in a spontaneous moment, perhaps. They could take that away and they could learn a few tricks. And But I, I truly believe it's about listening. Like, if you could teach someone to listen, to literally take something that someone said and then find what's unusual about that and learn to attack it and explore it, right? that's a great skill. Wait, wait what did you just say? I tuned out in the middle. I said, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you can't teach someone to have a point of view because you could... It's the same thing with comedy. If you walk out, you might find five jokes in an hour or five interesting things. Right. You can't teach an interesting point of view. Like, that's inherent. Well, the other thing you can't teach is, like, if somebody is fundamentally untalented, and it happens, it doesn't mean they're bad people. No. It doesn't mean they don't function. They're, they're probably much better mentally right. than talented people. As long as they're not opening for you, right? Right. But, I mean, uh, certain people, like, with, with, com with comedy relatively untalented people can can get a lot of distance yeah. because you know if you can learn how to tell a joke or you can take the very you know the small you know slither of talent that you've been given yeah and and work it you can do all right you could play the straight man the straight man is the most underrated role in comedy if you can interact with a crazy character or a crazy premise and play it as grounded and real like as if you were there right that's what ben stiller does yeah he plays it real and he's anxious and he's like, but he's doing it really well. He's also a great physical comedian. Yeah, he's very funny on his own, but a lot of time he's just letting weird people walk into his world and he's like, uh-huh, and he's pretending he's okay, sure. but you know he's not, which is probably close to how he would really behave. Right, yep. I, so. I play the straight man on this show uh, uh, frequently, but I just, I, I just as a point of view of somebody who, who's dealing with all these young people that come in. And and realizing that that some of them like because I like I, I get I it almost it, it touches me when I see if I go to UCB and I see an improv show and there's that one person that can, can barely talk publicly yeah like, like they're just sort of like hello you know and and it, and you could just tell that they're just so wide open and they can't protect themselves and they don't have any you know buffer that it, it's almost kind of touching and a little bit uh, but those different. people can be funny like if they, I know that's if what they I'm can saying. yeah exactly if they can get comfortable. Because you don't know what their thoughts are yet. You yeah. just know that they... And sometimes awkwardness is funny. Like yeah. Awkward delivery, obviously, is really good. No, yeah. I, it's it's true. And I think that what you are saying about before, about having... You know, when you fail, it's a failure as a group. It's sort of like a band. You can just blame the bass player or the, or the fat guy or the... <laughs> you can turn on other people in the group, absolutely. But generally, you take you all take the bullet. And what is it? Does it become sort of like a family environment, like a, a commune? Like, do people make it their home away from home or you don't allow They that? do. But also, like, there's there's a lot of support support there in general. Sure. But people yeah. get very, yeah. But there are places where I was in a theater company in Chicago when I first started out, and it was a bit of a cult. And we all thought there was like 30 of us that we were all going to stick together and get our own thing. Like, cult in like what way? Like, a cult uh, in like there was one guy who was the theater director, and we all sort of bowed down to him a bit, and he was yeah. radical and he was very talented. But then it became about if you disagreed with his word as opposed to like just let these people who came here do whatever they want. Yeah. It was all about him weighing in on everything in a way you know they, what I mean? they become like that acting teachers become like that too yes. they, they don't have any you know resume to speak of as an actor Dude. but they're the these revered old method guys or whatever i took one acting class in la with andrew donnelly you know him yeah very funny and he coached he he suckered me into it but i did want to get better at acting so we took the class and literally we went through this warm-up every class where uh the woman was the, the goal was to like access different emotions so you can feel them like because yeah. sometimes you are gonna have to play angry in a movie or you're gonna have to cry so she would walk you through now think of something happy and then people would be in their own space like laughing it's a little gay but you'd be doing that and I'm trying to not judge and I'm trying to commit and literally she'd take you to the low points now think of something sad now think of something that really makes you sad and there was one woman I'm not kidding you every time she was reliving a rape I swear to God you could hear her in the corner going oh <laughs> 
no. Woo! And oh, it's no. like, how is this helping my acting? And then me and Donnelly would open our eyes and go, this isn't a good class. This is not a good class. Oh, like, no. There's always one person in the acting class that is way too needy. Yeah. It's ridiculous that, I mean, on one level, it's good that people have the outlet, but on another level, it's almost like a cult with no direction other than to fulfill the ego needs of yes. the teacher. That's what's, it becomes a fascistic organization or whatever. Yeah, yes, just, exactly. It's, it's just sort of like, you know, all these vulnerable, fucked up people that have undeveloped talent are, are just deferring to this, you know, this person that couldn't make it in show business. And hopefully the lesson you learn is like, I can leave any time. Like, why am I do? Why am I giving this person power? I had an acting teacher in college who made me do a scene, an angry scene, like from Burn or something. I don't remember what it was from, but he had three or four of the guys in the class hold me back. And he said, I want you to do your monologue and try to get to the other side of the room. <laughs> I think that's useful once. I would say that's useful once. Yeah. I do because they're pushing you to into a circumstance that, like, I actually like acting against something. I yeah. do like that because if, if you're, like, to do a monologue while you're dodging bullet fire, that would be so easy. Or like action, if you're an action hero, that must be the easiest acting in the world because you're you're running and you're you're dodging and you're fighting. That's the easiest. So they're putting you in a situation where you're almost instinctively taken care of. So right. I think doing that once is useful. Now with improv, though, the I guess the other thing that I was going to talk about was just the fact that you don't have to deal with that in in um, in the same way that acting classes have to deal with because the primary intention is to be funny. Yes, you're generating comedy, so yeah. you're not, you don't have to. And deal at the with theater, there's maybe three improv nights and four straight up comedy nights like there's a decent the the majority of what goes on there is just straight ahead comedy so you don't have to deal with breakdowns uh there's psychos that come through i mean i told you the pot brownie story that's a little crazy well like what are some other ones uh what is a good crazy uh Where, like the like the the rest of the class of sort well of like, i think to... there's other people like who can't take notes like if you and i just did a little scene and i said okay here's what you did wrong if they go, no, that's not what I did, then, then you don't understand what I was going for. And then you have to say, like, well, listen, I've done this a long time. You can either choose to hear what I'm saying or continue on the path that you're on, which I don't think you're going to grow. You yeah. know what I mean? And then if they continue to do that, it's like, all right, after this class is over, make sure that person doesn't come back. And you give them their money back? No, you let them finish the class and you yeah. try to make, you try to manage it. Oh, because so, of their levels. Yeah, exactly. Level one. And then you just tell whoever's, you know, yeah, we have people guy, who run the school. This, this, this person is a problem. <laughs> they don't, they're not getting has it. Has the class ever ganged up on, does that happen? It has to happen. You're dealing with no. a bunch of... Unless you're a terrible teacher. They're there to want to learn. And especially... Like, like within the group dynamic, is there, there's got to be the one dud where people oh, are like, oh. yes. There is. Sometimes there is. And you have to manage that where like... People don't want to step into a scene with the crazy person or the terrible person. <laughs> like, like, what does crazy mean? Crazy is like, well, one kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, one kind of crazy is, like I said, like controlling. Right. And like not letting you talk and say, no, we're going to play a tea party. Or the other thing is like going to the same thing over and over. Like, like literally like every scene that starts, if you're with a person and all they do is like open cabinets <laughs> and dry a plate and say, good morning, honey. Like every time it's some version of that. <laughs> You're not going to get to a funny place, yeah. generally. You can occasionally, or the first time you do it, but so people the, the, who so don't... The, the obsessive uh, plate dryer. Yes. A, <laughs> that doesn't help comedy. <laughs> or the cabinet opening, yeah. not going to get you funny, or opening a fake beer only. Uh, what, where are you guys at with theaters? What's existing? What's coming? Uh, we're going to open a new space in New York at the old Two Boots Pizzeria. In, and, on and, the Lower East Side? Yeah, okay. third and A or whatever that is. And it's going to be a little more uh, stand-up friendly, a little more multi-visual, because we're taking over an old theater, small, tiny little theater. Yeah, I know that theater. Yeah. It's downstairs, right? Or, or uh, it's it's right upstairs. Behind... It's right behind the video store. Right, right. Yeah. So we're taking over that. So you'll have two in New York. You have yep. one here. We'll is have one, one here. Is there one in Chicago? No, we'll never do Chicago, I don't think. Why, why compete? Or... Kind of, yeah. Kind of. There's plenty of imp There's like Improv Olympic. What about Austin? City. What are you talking about? I would about? love Austin. I've always said we should open a place in Austin. I firmly believe that Austin or like... Portland, Seattle, one of those two. Right. And uh, do you guys make money at no, the school? No, not yet. The school makes money. The theater is in the red. You know, it, it breaks even or loses a little money. Right. So, so, that's so the you separate model. them, but you guys make, you generate some income. The I don't. You, you don't. No. You put, we take the money and we put it into other projects. Like we bought, an, we're getting another theater in New York. Is that a rule? A, that's just how we always did it. Ever since, when we came to New York, we, uh, our little sketch group, we would do teaching classes and we would take the money and we'd put it in a pool and then we'd buy tickets to LA. So people in LA could see it you know what I mean it was like right. the money went into furthering the group not just into that was when it was for you yes and what's Ian up to Ian uh is a very successful screenwriter he sells screenplays with his uh 
uh, writing partner Jay Martell, and Ian and I, good transition, are doing a show on Spike that airs May, uh, airs March 2nd uh, called Players, and it's about two, I sold it, it's two brothers who open a sports bar in Phoenix, and they're like Felix and Oscar. Oh, that's great, and you already shot some? We shot 10. Oh, it's done. We shot, we're done, yeah, it airs March 2nd after uh, Entourage. How'd it come out? I think really funny, and it's improv, it's like sort of uh, Larry David style, we, we hammer out really tight outlines. It's not as like Seinfeldian, like weird connections come right. in the end, but it's definitely uh, loosely scripted. We go in and we improvise the scenes, do them a bunch of takes, and then we have joke sheets on the day. We all write a bunch of jokes because we know we're going to be ordering drinks, so one of the writers will write like 15 funny things to order. Oh, okay. So we'll have the loose outline and we'll have a few joke sheets, and then we have Paul, uh, Paul Shear's wife, uh, June Raphael, Besser's wife, Danielle Schneider, all these wives I know. This guy, Jack McGee, and this kid, James Pumphrey, and that's the cast. That's awesome. It's going to be on HBO? Uh, Spike. Oh, on Spike. The men's channel. I thought you said it was after Entourage. Reruns. They bought reruns of Entourage. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, great talking to you, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Mark. And uh, uh, continued future success. Thank you. You too. Okay. So right now, in the garage, uh, today, we're going to be talking about pot. And I know a lot of people like to talk about pot, but I'm not going to trivialize it here. I mean, wh- what we have going on here in Los Angeles is that, as in uh, some other states, I haven't done all the research, but we have marijuana dispensaries, medical marijuana. It's become very popular, but it's also very helpful. People with cancer, uh, people with depression, uh, people with, with a lot of different things are, 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 are aided uh, greatly by uh, marijuana use and we've had issue here in Los Angeles where they want to close a lot of the dispensaries I think some are closing and there's a movement against that obviously but there's also I mean I don't think enough people talk to the healthcare practitioners to the people that are are in charge of the marijuana dispensaries and the people that on a day-to-day basis really see the kind of pain and and the kind of uh uh, discomfort that uh, that medical marijuana can treat. And today, uh, in the garage, we have... Uh, how do I pronounce your name, sir? Uh, you can just call me Frog. Frog. Yeah. Uh, we have Frog is with us in the in the garage, and he uh, is... I guess you, uh, you're, I, you're a medical practitioner at a, at, a, at a marijuana dispensary. Well, yeah, I like to say that I'm a purveyor of uh, herbal therapy. Yeah, uh, okay. Uh, and then my establishment uh, in, it's in East LA is called Homeboy Healing. Homeboy Healing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, you know, I guess that, I guess that's because of the neighborhood. You want to play to the neighborhood and they, because I would think it would have been a little more medical, no? Well, the healing's in there. I mean, yeah. we're definitely doing healings. So, you know, the medical part is in there and I want my homeboys to come in, you know? Sure, sure. It's it's really cool, man, because, you know, all my homeboys, you come and just say you, okay? And like, you you go to your doctor, right? You get yeah. a prescription for um, medical cannabis, you know? So yeah. you come into my place and... Uh, you say, uh, okay, I want a prescription, and I'll say, wait, you know, hold on right there. You just can't walk in, you know. It's right. Not, you know, it's not like no laws here, you know. Yeah, right. You got to wait at the desk, and while I check you out, you know, and get all the credentials and, and everything that, together. Right, you know? What does that mean, though? Like, well, I don't know, man. You know, anybody could come in my place, you know, shoot the place up and steal you know, my stash. I don't want that. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, so they have to saying, be safe. Oh, you know? I get it. Now, I don't I don't smoke pot or herb or whatever. I don't, oh, I don't smoke marijuana. Okay. I used to. You don't ever smoke, though? Would you eat? You eat, like, um... You know, because we got like popsicles, we got uh, brownies, we got oh. cookies, we got all that, man. With pot in them? Yeah. Oh, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, pot popsicles? Get you super high. I mean, yeah. super medicated, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, pot popsicles? Yeah, 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 man. Uh, yeah, for what's that, for the kids? Well, you know, we don't like to say that because, um, you know, it's not good to get kids, you know, hooked on medication too early, but yeah. but basically, yeah, you know. Now, let me ask you, I guess, maybe a personal question. Now, before, like, medical marijuana hasn't been around that long. And now it's 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 on its way out in some areas. And are you in in uh, in danger of losing your 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 clinic? You know, um, if if that happens, you know, if the laws come to that, I just want to say to people that homeboy healing will always be there. You know, whether we're in the building or whether you know I come to your house, you know, sure, sure. or whether you meet me on Second um, Street, you know, okay. whatever. Homeboy healings is always going to be uh, in the treatment business. Right. So you're on you know call. Yeah. Oh, I get it. And I say and I say this to everybody too. Yeah. You know, not all of your, your, your medications and all your healing um, necessarily happens with uh, marijuana, you know, or cannabis. Uh-huh. There's also a lot of other healing. So I got healing for people who want to party and stay up all night. 
you know. Oh, oh so you got a, like, a lot of different medicine. Yeah, people who want, you know, people who need uh, to see things, that kind of healing, visions and stuff uh-huh. like that. There's all types of healing, man, and sure. I, can, I can hook you up with all of that. Oh, okay, so that, so do you have a license for this? Um, yeah, I got a driver's license. It's right here. No, no, I mean like state uh, of California, Holmes. Yeah, but it's not, right here. All right, it's got George, um, George Schwarzenegger's name right on the bottom. Right. Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Right, right, right. Do, yeah, Governor. Right. Yeah. But do you have so, a... Yeah, we're completely legal, man. What exactly, what what kind of, what, what do you offer them? They come in... Oh, uh, man, we got all the best medications. We got, um, oh, have you tried bubble gum, man? I haven't smoked in oh, about 10 Oh, bubble years. gum is awesome, man. It's good? It's awesome, man. What, it, what makes it It'll it really better? get you medicated. It'll, yeah. really, it'll really heal you. you yeah, know? sure. For Yeah, okay. Um, we got Bubba Kush, Afghan Kush, Godfather, Silver Haze, um, NYC Purple, Granddaddy Purple, Blueberry, uh, Count Smokula. Oh. Uh, we got Chocolate Light, Diet Kush, uh, Diet, Diet Sativa. Diet Kush? Uh-huh. What, is, what do you Diet mean? Diet Kush? Yeah. It's just like Kush Light. Man, you know? Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's got half the calories. You know, we we have a little um uh, a little saying down at the uh, at the at the clinic. Yeah, and uh, it's um, hey man, don't bogart your medicine, man. Sure. Do you do you, are you uh, how do you protect? I I mean I I guess it's you're in a bad neighborhood. Sure, man. You know, I mean, bad, good, whatever. You know, it's just our neighborhood, man. And we protect it. You know. Sure. So what does that mean? Have you had any trouble? No, man. There's not going to be any trouble, man. There's never going to be any trouble. Why, why as long say- as those fools over on Second Street, you know. Yeah. And by the way, man, don't buy from them. All right, man, because their shit's skunk, man. Their shit's skunk. We got the good shit, man. But those fools on Second Street, if they got it, if they, if, if if there's any more trouble, it's gonna come from them, and we're gonna settle it, man. We're gonna settle it. Homeboy Healings is gonna settle this shit, you know. So this we're is the best pot dispensary in 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 all of LA, man. So this is another dispensary. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm not gonna say their names, man. I'm not gonna say their names, but but Ronnie and Pugo and all you guys, the Second Street um dispensary, you are gonna get yours, man. You're gonna get yours. You're gonna die, Holmes. So this is this is just competition between dispensaries just healthy competition man business competition but I tell you what man those fools man don't don't buy that stuff man and, and if you do then you have to answer the homeboys man now where do you get your uh your medicine oh right okay yeah well um you know it comes in a truck uh-huh is it state like stamped or something do you, is there um i probably shouldn't um you know really talk about um, where it comes from but it um you know, yeah. like I always tell people when they come in, they say, where does it come from? I say, man, wheat comes from the earth, man. Mm-hmm. It comes from God, Holmes. You know? But, you know, you're, you're dealing in popsicles, in, uh, in candies, in, uh, in... Chocolate kush, man. It's like smoking um, a chocolate cake, Holmes. Wow, man. See, now I'm starting to feel like maybe I'm sick. I need medicine. You are sick, man. I can tell. You, what, do you, what does that mean? That's what Homeboy Healing treats, man. Your illnesses, you know, but, the, lack of, the lack of weed in your life, in your lungs, and in your, in your so, bloodstream. So lack of weed... Is a sickness. Yes, because the human body does not produce enough THC for you to stay in a state of um, of constant arousal. But uh, marijuana, see, it, it allows a person to have that THC inside their system, and then they're happy. Okay, so let's let's plug the establishment again. And you guys are homeboy healing. Homeboy healing on, on East Second. That's uh, no man. Don't go to those fools. I'm All telling right, I'm you. I'm sorry. Man. I'm sorry. I didn't. I'm telling you, man. Right. We're in East LA, man. We're on 16th Street. Don't go to those fools on Second Street, man. Their shit skunk, man. Okay. Their shit skunk. It's probably got Lysol in it. Man, they probably don't have chocolate. Skunk kush. weed, man. It's they, got seeds. No, no, man. They don't got the chocolate. They don't got blueberry. They don't got Cosmocula. They don't got bubble gum. Okay, so you got everything. Stevas, Indicas, all you want, man. Okay. Well, uh, it was great talking to you, Frog. Yeah, and anybody, come on down, man. And you know what? You get on your first eighth, you get a chunk of uh, hash free. So free hash? Yeah, on your first eighth. So yes. all new customers, come on in. Uh, here's my phone, man. So Dude. I gotta make a, I gotta make a run because I gotta do some healing. Don't, do they need prescriptions? They do, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You definitely need a prescription, man. You know, we're pretty casual on the prescription. So if it's written on a napkin or you know an envelope or something you know even if the envelope has an address and an address isn't even to you uh, my guest has been frog his dispensary is uh is down in uh, east la very professional homeboy healing and uh and you're not in danger of being closed down right no man we're not getting closed down man you know we're going forever man okay we're going forever. homeboys live forever almost. okay buddy <laughs> all right thanks for being my guest thank you All right, that's our show, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, of course, you can always go to WTFPod.com to get your WTF T-shirt, your Nerdcock T-shirt. You can give us a little bread because I could use the bread. I'm trying to make a living here, if you know what I'm saying. There's a donate button. You can follow us on Twitter. You can get Just Coffee. There's now videos up at the site of the live WTFs. We are doing another live WTF on February 19th. 
Uh, we've got Marilyn Rice Cub, Lori Kilmartin, Jackie Cation, uh, Eddie Pepitone, and Jim Earl. That's at the UCB Theater here in Los Angeles on Friday, February 19th. Uh, come on out for that. Go to punchlinemagazine.com for all your comedy curiosity and justcoffee.coop uh, as usual. It is fair trade coffee. The uh, hippies up there in Madison want me to say that. So so now you know it's fair trade. So go get yourself some uh, justcoffee.coop and I will talk to you on Thursday or whenever you listen to this. Adios. Adios.